Blog Talk Radio. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. Coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. You can also sign up for a free blogtalkradio.com account. Uh, go to blogtalkradio.com slash Dan and go to the episode page. And you can join us in the chat room. Leave your questions, comments, questions there, etc. cetera. Uh, I'm currently also uh, at the tail end of the pre-show on TikTok. Uh, I've been trying to make sure to go live uh, before every show uh, in the new year on TikTok just to get some, you know, maybe more people listening. Hasn't quite yet worked too much. The first time we tried to do it, we did have some people in the chat. Uh, However, um, people in the chat on TikTok can't hear any callers or any of the bits that get played. So that's one thing that uh, is a downfall of that, but I do want to give people, you know, a little bit of heads up on when the podcast is starting. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll continue to do that. We'll be live on TikTok for at least a few more minutes. The last time I did it, uh, it unfortunately seemed to start overheat my phone a bit. So I don't want to ruin my phone just by trying to do something gimmicky, so to speak. So, uh, and of course, if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. Over on the show thread at liberaldan.com at facebook.com slash liberaldan or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Um, but for a long time, I haven't done this. Uh, but first, this week's headlines. President Joe Biden completed his first week in office and set a record number for the number of executive orders signed for his first week in office. But since many of them rolled back Trumpian exec- executive orders, do they count? Because when anti-matter and matter interact, they destroy each other. On a side note, it's nice to have a president who doesn't feel the need to show off his signature with every executive order that he does, like a toddler. Donald Trump has created the office of the former president. Not something uncommon for former presidents to do, but it is uncommon, uncommon for the office to contain the label of, quote, former president, end quote. It's not supposed to be a political office, but you know the Donald, he won't be able to help himself. At least he is able to call himself a former president. In finance news, sensing weakness, many on Wall Street decided to short GameStop shares. However, Reddit investors went all in and the stock market speculators lost over $6 billion with a B. I nearly pulled the trigger yesterday and bought some shares 
and I would have had a five-figure day, and I'm kicking myself for not doing it, but it's given me some schadenfreude uh, watching the people cry. Um, if you don't know what a short sale is, I did go into this on the minicast, so go to anchor.fm slash liberaldan or uh, minicast.liberaldan.com, and you'll be able to find that episode and uh, hear the explanation of what a short sale is. It's sports news. Not one person was selected for this year's Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Leading the list were Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens. No news on if Kurt Schilling's bloody sock will be eligible at some point. And that was this week's headline. So uh, what's going on again? It's been one week since you looked at me. Enough. Sorry, I can't use. Unfortunately, I don't have the wherewithal to uh, to be able to afford to pay for music during the podcast. Uh, as such, I I would otherwise I would have started it off with this on TikTok. The intro to the show you can use some brief clips of music on TikTok. Apparently, I don't know how they handle it and what they, what the deal is with them using other people's intellectual property, but it, I guess it's okay. Um, but so I did tease the show on TikTok with the Bare Naked Lady song, but um, and it's been one week, and so we have that going on. We're going to be taking a look at the executive orders uh, that are going on uh, that Joe Biden has done. Again, as I said, during headlines, it's been a record number of executive orders. Of course, uh, conservatives after Donald Trump made lots of executive orders. Now conservatives are changing their mind and again uh, going against executive orders like they always used to. Of course, um, I guess President Biden, which is very nice, I've been saying that all week, and just President Joe Biden. It's just, it's it's nice to have adults in charge. Let's just put it that way. It's it's nice to be able to have an adult in charge, to be able to, you know, to be able to just not have to stress that, you know, the press conference that's given by any of the administration is going to be embarrassing it's just it's nice like the adults are in charge again and it's it's just wonderful so um and like as i said you know the ridiculousness of whenever donald trump would put a signature on the thing and be like look i signed it i signed it look i signed it you know it's it's just crazy how it's just so childish that 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 look that just had such a bad look uh, people like to talk about optics. Well, the optics of that was just like, look, I really signed it. Look, I'm showing it off. See what I did. It's terrible. But like to be able to watch a press conference and, and not see the combative nature like you would get with a Kaylee McEnany or uh, any of the other, like Sean Spicer, um, um, much much call it, the one that's running for governor in Arkansas, um, Elizabeth or Huckabee Sanders or whatever her name is. Um, just Sarah Huckabee Sanders. It's it's nice to be able to watch somebody like be able to take questions from the press and not have it be seen as an adversarial relationship. Um, so again, that's because we have the adults in charge. The adults are in the room. So we'll see. We'll see what's what's going to go on with that. I, I'm not sure how many of the uh, Biden press conferences I'm going to go ahead and do, uh, simply because of the fact that. You know, I expect them to be much less controversial than than the 
any press conference done by Donald Trump, either on COVID-19 or on any other issue for that matter, either done by the press secretary, done by Kaylee McEnany or whatever, I, I, I might do some. We'll see. But I expect him to be a lot of just me sitting there watching and not do really doing anything about it. So we'll see. Um, anyway, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. Uh, we'll come back and take your calls as well. It's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mmm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will? <laughs> Catch you on the tunes. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. 
BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan dot com. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation is 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Um, and, hey, I was going to go to the hypocrite of the week, but we have a caller. So look at that. So let's go ahead and bring the caller on. Uh, caller, your name, where are you from? Hey there. Name is Hotep. How are you doing? What's going on? How are you? Doing great. Hey, I'm good. I searched through the blog talk uh, shows and I was looking for something that had titles like yours. Everything else seemed a bit, uh, I don't know, delusional. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, I've seen some of the shows on blog talk radio and uh, they're got, they, there's an interesting and an eclectic mix of, of stuff that blog talk radio seems to offer. So um, I'm glad uh I'm glad uh, I, I piqued your fancy. So remember to subscribe and follow the show. Do you have any questions or comments, or were you just trying to listen? Well, just a overall comment that relates to America and our little planet that us humanoids are destroying. Um, I'm more on the liberal, progressive, extreme left. I mean, so far off on the left that I don't think it even exists in most political <laughs> discussions. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, you seem to have, you know, a lot of that. It does seem as though uh, both parties and two-party systems tend to offer, you know, one is often better than the other. But America is being dragged further and further into fascism and racism and sexism and pollution and the rich are getting richer. And so the Biden-Harris legacy hopefully will not just be a slight deviation sideshow from what we really need um, what we really need is drastic changes so that the poor in the nation have hope and so that females have hope and so that marginalized communities have hope but then on top of that the leaders should provide more than hope hope is right. a great warm fuzzy feeling but the leaders have to pass legislation that will ensure that just like the rich super rich have gotten breaks for centuries, that we turn that around and start giving homeless people and everyone else, you know, their fair opportunity because they're the ones that typically are most at risk. And so I have mixed feelings about the new leadership. Hopefully it won't just be, uh, you know, talk because people are really suffering out here during COVID-19. 
Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. I mean, there, if you look at the amount of available homes uh, that are just sitting vacant, uh, you could you could house, I think, every single person who is currently homeless in one of those homes without a problem. You could, you just, yep. it's just a matter of making that happen. You know, it's, you know, you have lots of barriers and hurdles that prevent upward mobility in society. And, and, and you were correct. They far too often protect uh, the wealthy class and, and don't give enough opportunities to, um, you know, lower and middle income classes to get up. One of the things I like about Joe Biden is how he talks about, um, helping people to get home ownership to help themselves get, you know, build up and accumulate wealth. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it wealth, but, you know, building up, you know, value in their families so that values can be passed on to generation and generation. You know, I, I like that he talks about that. I like that during the campaign, he talked about being a transitional president to, to move forward, you know, to transition from the horribleness that we had the last four years to something that is going to be better. And I hope that he is able to, and, and this is a good way to, this is a good segue. I'm glad you brought up some of this stuff up, you know, cause again, Joe Biden can do only so much with the executive orders and we are going to be talking about the executive orders today. Uh, but one of the things that um, I was going to bring up is, is about the Democrats in Congress uh, and the Republicans in Congress and whether or not the Democrats in Congress are being too fair to the Republican party. Uh, because, you know, there's talk because we have a 50, 50 split, you know, would we, uh, should there be like power sharing arrangements and stuff like that? And I think by even entertaining the idea of power sharing with the Republicans, uh, we, we're naively believing that if the roles were reversed, that uh, somehow Mitch McConnell, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, currently uh, would, if the roles were reversed and we had a 50-50 Senate, but a Republican was president, uh, I'm, I do not believe that Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell would be uh, amenable to power sharing. I think he would do whatever he could, including eliminating the filibuster like he took away most of the filibuster as it is. Um, and that's actually going to be um, part of the hypocrite of the week uh, that I'll play a little later. Um Actually, let's go ahead. I'm going to put you on mute for a second, and we can go ahead and play the Hypocrite of the Week now since I'm, I've talked about it. So let's go ahead and play that. This week's Hypocrite of the Week is Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell doesn't feel that Democrats should change the filibuster. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell didn't think about that when he changed the filibuster when he was in control. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be like Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Boy, is that fun to say. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Day and Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. So there you go. There's the Hypocrite of the Week for this week. Uh, again, it's Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, and I'm going to abuse the hell out of that phrase because it's just fun to say. I think it's even more fun to say that than it is to say President Joe Biden <laughs> because it's just the fact that the Democrats were able to as you come forward and just and and overtake and win that majority in the Senate, even just by a slight amount, is just amazing. And it's a testament to uh, marginalized people, black people, w- women, uh, black women specifically, for coming out in mass and overcoming the hurdles that are put in place by the Republicans in power in the state of Georgia to be able to elect both people to the Senate, both Democrats to the Senate. And now one of the Democrats got more votes than the other, and 
I'm, I'm not quite understanding the logic there, but uh, I'm sorry. Let me, let's let let's let Donald say. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think that I think the Democrats are, are being a little bit too fair, I, and I think that we're going to have to demand that the Democrats in the Senate. Unfortunately, we have some one Democrat in the Senate in particular, Joe Manchin, um, who uh, is going to make it more difficult to kind of force things through that he doesn't like. I think perhaps what might need to be done is we may have to just Democrats may have to say, okay, well, we're going to give particular Republicans prime uh, committee assignments, but as long as to help them push forward on certain pieces of legislation. Even if it doesn't, even if it means that we're not going to, and thank you again, caller, for calling in. I do appreciate it. Um, but we're going to have to do something, and we're going to have to force the hand, I don't think, because I don't think the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is going to work with Joe Biden or the Democrats to pass the legislation that is needed, especially during a pandemic, to help the people survive, to help the people go on, uh, pay the bills, get food. Um, until we can get uh, full, de- full distribution of the vaccine to the country to make sure that we are safer and can open everything back up. So there is that. Um, but, yeah, I have a really good time, really fun time saying Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. That just tickles me, tickles me pink uh, or some other color. I don't know. Um, so we got – I usually do this again. I'll, I'll play both bits this break. That's fine. Or this, this segment, I guess. That's fine. Um, way back in the day, we had, I feel like I always, whenever, I have to, whenever I'm bringing this back up, I feel like I need to preface it with, with a statement that the views that are stated uh, by my voice in these, the views that are stated by my voice in these, uh, in words of redneck wisdom, are not my views. They are usually the views of somebody who is conservative, typically, and usually it's me reading somebody else's words, one person's words in particular. If you go, there was a CPAC uh, convention that took place, and there was an individual at this CPAC convention uh, who was questioning why they were talking about, uh, I think, uh, Frederick Douglass and why they weren't honoring somebody else. Um, and they were talking about, you know, how fr- the people, the, the, the conservatives that were black at that, at that, uh, convention were talking about those issues. And they even said, they said, well, about Frederick Douglass, you know, he, you know, he once, you know, wrote a letter, uh, thanking, I guess, thanking his former slave owner or what have you. And, and the guy was like thanking him for what? giving him a place to stay and food to eat. And these, and, and it looked like these people were about to smack this guy because this guy is just ridiculous in his beliefs. And he is pretty much a white supremacist, uh, European white uh, segregationist. I wouldn't be surprised if he owns Nazi paraphernalia as well. Uh, but his website is a treasure trove of horrific stuff that people who are uh, conservative rednecks might say. Uh, so without further ado, it's the return of words of redneck wisdom. Hey, 
And now, Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. A real man only has three options. He can run, he can weather the storm, or he can fight. Which he chooses will determine which type of woman is a good fit. The runner wife. She'll have a knack for languages. Homeschooling is in question. She'll need to have strong racial integrity and ability to trust her husband's sense of boundaries. 20-year-old Pedro may have a cute grin and a helpful demeanor, but if her husband says Pedro's bad news, she accepts that Pedro's bad news. She'll have to accept a reduced status in social life, open to hard work and potential poverty, at least until the family is situated. Nerdy and adventurous. The foul weather wife. Homeschooling again isn't questioned. She'll have to be crafty like a serpent, knowing acceptable social norms so she can help her husband secretly defy them while maintaining an acceptable facade. Has to be open to strict budgeting and gray market processes. Must be good at politics, smoothing things over with radical Jacobins who might sniff out her husband at a dinner party. A mix between Martha Stewart and a mafia wife. The fighter wife. Of the three, she's the most saint-like since at the point of marriage. It's only a matter of time until she is a wife in mourning. The trade-off? Her name will be next to Jesse James's wife in the history books. Her fire and hatred of evil is equal to her husband's, and they blaze together in true happiness during the fight. Must score high on the ride or die scale. I thought the law is played as a wedding march. And this concludes Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. You know, sometimes it just really hurts to, to say those things. Like when I'm, try- when I'm doing that voice and I'm, tr- and, I'm, and I'm trying to make myself sound as if I was this person, just the 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 wife taking a subservient role oh my goodness it's just sometimes it hurts but that's the things i like to do to to make sure that that i can put on a quality podcast or maybe a sub-quality podcast and we'll see we'll depend on whether or not people like the bits or not i suppose we do another caller on the line uh caller what's your name where are you from once we get it open there you go Hey there, my other line did something odd that it's never oh, done. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Phones. I'm pretty suspicious, but maybe I'm wrong about my <laughs> conclusion. <laughs> you know, um, I think that the, the conservative concept is described in the word itself. Conservatives want to conserve, and typically, if we look at 400 years of American history, children and doing labor, blacks, Native Indians, female rights were squashed. And so I think conservatives need to investigate the possibility that evolving politically, cognitively is the way to go. Conservatives don't mind evolving the corporate structure and evolving the American empire, but they don't want to evolve nor involve female rights, black Native Indian rights, marginalized groups, etc. And I think what keeps the poorer conservative divided from the poorer 
Latino, black, et cetera, Native Indian, is this racism. If they were to realize that, listen, you're just in a trailer park hating on the people who should be your allies. I don't know if that will ever occur, but uh, I I can dream. I keep dreaming. I can dream about it. No, I, I actually, I found, I, I'm relatively new to, to TikTok, um, but there was one person that was talking about it. She was a self-described, you know, Marxist communist type person. And, and one of the things that she was doing uh, that she says is she lives in a rural conservative area of town and she has gotten individuals to at least be open to read um, some, you know, progressive some socialist some communist writings some Karl Marx and stuff like that uh simply because she was able to you know engage them in such a way that she was able she she was actually able to get through the pre-programming and say you know look you know that's not what this is about you know a lot of a lot of the times people are made afraid of of, of socialism or communism or whatever is that is that there's no that, that people should work, that, that people in a socialist or a communist type of society don't work. And like, if you've ever been to a kibbutz or seen a kibbutz in Israel, those are communes, literal communes. And everybody works in the commune to help for the better good of everybody. You can't just have nobody working. And it's not, it, it isn't going to work if nobody works. So but people do work in, in these, in these systems. And once you kind of maybe, Maybe if you can get past the, that, that pre-program that is done uh, so that you understand that maybe it's a good idea to, for everybody to work together for the common good instead of doing work for the uh, individual owner at that point, maybe some people would start to go around. But the thing is, is that, you know, there, well, there's two things. The one thing is that, you know, white, lower class, lower income folks like to feel that if, if, as long as they're not low man on the totem pole, that they at least have that going for them. So they, they enjoy looking down to, to, to seeing the people that they are elevated on class-wise, I guess, instead of looking up to see who's pushing them down. Uh, that, that's part of the problem. And the other part of the problem is that despite uh, the economies of scale and the other uh, barriers of entry into the market that would prohibit them from doing so, each and every one of them believes that one day they might also be wealthy enough to be affected by the policies uh, that seek to make things fairer when it comes to the, you know, the, the revenue that, that rich folks have to contribute into the market, into, into the economy, uh, into the tax system to support the, the programs that are needed to help people out. And, you know, they don't understand the fact that the same people that are pushing them to support these policies are the same people that are going to make sure that they're never going to elevate themselves and get up there, Um, which is, you know, the same reason why poor white people fought for the South. These people were never going to own slaves. The, The fact slavery being legal would have no impact on them, except for the fact that a they had by the fact that slaves existed mean that they were above their station was above other people, assuming they considered them people because many of them didn't consider black people people. And the fact that they thought that one day they might own slaves too. And if they were so lucky and fortunate to be able to get to that position where they could own somebody that they didn't want to lose out on that. So they're going to fight for the right, for the potential of them to have it, even though they'll, it'll likely never happen, which is, 
I guess the, 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 the problem, I guess that, you know, you know, there's, there's, there's a lack of altruism there in, in conservatism. And, and it's the same lack of altruism that if we flip the conversation a little bit, that explains why many of the same people won't wear masks, won't socially distance, won't listen to the guidelines um, that the, you know, the scientists are saying, because they don't want to have, they, they feel that they should be privileged and not have to deal with such things. Such things are beneath them. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts yeah, I, on one? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Okay, add to that. Sure. Um, thank you, by the way. By the way, your show is very good. Your, your commercial, well, your breaks, your flow, um, you, uh, yeah, compared to many of the shows on online. <laughs> I, I would love you know. to be able, I mean, I, I would, I, I'm trying to get more people to subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Liberal Land Radio on YouTube. I'm trying to get more people to support the Patreon so I could do more work, so I could do, put more ad, advertising out there. I'm trying to figure out how to get more listeners to be able to get the show to where I think it should be, because I'd love to be able to do this full time, but I just can't justify doing it full time right now, considering yeah. the lack of listenership. But hey, yeah. share it with your friends. If you have, you know, friends, hey, this is a great show. Go, go listen, and they can always listen to past episodes too. They're all available online. So, well, your your show is so intellectually stimulating on the positive side. Most people want nonsense, and right, or they want the racism and sexism, and so. You know, shows like yours, unfortunately, I find, because I, I had some shows I produced, and they got limited results. Um, yeah, people want stupidity, and yeah. they want to be bamboozled uh, to sleep. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a voice in the wilderness, you know, with the water, but they don't want the water. Um, by the way, regarding Palestine and Israel, I see it as a, a ethnic minority slash majority group where the ones with power should not be taking advantage of the ones without power. But then when I look in parts of Africa, it's the Muslim groups that take advantage often. So the world is upside down. Um, I think that we can solve the problems. And I actually like the fact um, that some of the non-mask wearers, because I do think that there is a place for realizing that the rich super rich, financially rich, because you'd be rich in health and emotional stability. Uh, the ones that didn't help the planet suddenly care about us so much that they want patented vaccines <laughs> that are experimental to be pushed on people without well, about long capacity, long exercises, and, and the health consequences that come with positive eating and holistic diets, you know? So I'm very cautious when the person bringing me the solution is the person that caused, well, probably caused the problem in the first place, but I still wear my mask because, you know, Absolutely. I'm not going no, to take the chance. That, that, so. <laughs> that, that is a very good point, you know, that, that, that it's hard for people to, if, if, if you've, it's like the whole boy who cried wolf, you know, if, if, if you, you know, if, if somebody lies enough, you, you know, why should you trust them at later, some point later on in the line? If somebody it does enough harm to you over the certain amount of time, it's hard to then trust them. It's like when I see people who are, you know, in, especially minority groups, especially black people, when they say, I don't want to take part, I don't want to, I don't want to take this. I don't want to be one of the first that takes the vaccine. Well, you, I, I can't blame a black person for thinking that way because of the way that our society and especially science has in the past treated black folks when it comes to experimentation. Yeah. It's why the there's a whole, yeah, that's why there's a whole, there's a whole, ethics thing. I used to work in public health 
um, as a software developer. But, you know, because I was in the area hearing, you know, you know, the, the presentations given by uh, the public health experts, you know, I, I came to see, you know, why you have certain things, why certain ethical things have to be done to make sure that marginalized groups are not taken advantage of uh, in when it comes to setting policy, um, when it comes to all sorts of things, especially when it comes to uh, clinical trials and such. So, you know, it's one of the reasons why um, you don't want to just simply allow like prison populations to be used as uh, guinea pigs, so to speak. Um, when if there's no if the advantage uh, that that they get from the trial. Uh, isn't the same amount as they're using as as their inclusion in this in the study. Like if like if the benefit to them is the same as the benefit to anybody else, and you're including them at the same rate as everybody else, that's one thing. But if you're only testing it on prison populations, and those prison populations aren't getting that that all of the benefit of it, then you're not having an ethical study. So that's that's one of the many things that needs to be considered uh, when doing those sorts of things. You know, I personally I am taking part. I, I just yesterday no monday i went ahead and i uh, the novavax vaccine is they're doing trials here in new orleans and other places i think around the country and i did volunteer for that because i figured it was it was you know i'm generally healthy i'm a, I'm a big guy uh but i'm generally otherwise healthy um and I, and I was in a position to be able to if i get it if i get the right vaccine i'm i'm, I'm getting vaccinated early so there's benefit for that uh, for me taking part, but it's also, I think I'm, I'm helping other people, um, and, you know, you know, doing my part, I guess, so that other people don't have to be the guinea pigs, so to speak. So, um, I don't know, but what, what are the interesting things that, that, that it that you brought up, you know, you're bringing up a lot of good stuff that I wanted to bring up anyway. Uh, the good segue is, is the fact that the wealthy and the rich are trying to get, you know, the benefits of society and they're trying to push, for benefit society, and that can be seen. Uh, have you followed what's going on with with the GameStop stock? No, no. No. Okay. So th- this is amazing. GameStop as a company, they were closing down a lot of stores, and ba- bankruptcy was looking at at something. And um, that they a bunch of Wall Street, like especially hedge fund people, were shorting the sale of. Mm of shorting the stock of GameStop. And for people that don't know what shorts are, I'm not going to spend this show talking about it. I do have one of my, on anchor.fm, the other podcast that I do, if you go to minicast.liberaldan.com, you can find that. I do have a show where I talk about short sales and how I think they're unethical. Um, I think I, I think only a crooked person would come up with them. Uh, but basically the, 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 the very short, short story of a short sale is you're ba- you borrow somebody else's stock and you sell it with the promise to buy it later. You're, and you're betting that the price is going to go down. So all of Wall Street was basically saying, we don't believe in this stock, it's going to go down. And a bunch of other people on Reddit, in this, Reddit, in this subreddit on stocks, um, were, were basically like, nope, we're not going to let you do this. And they bought so much of it that the stock of, in the past year of, of this stock for, for whatever, has got risen ridiculously high from like $4 to now it's over 300. Last time I checked, I was so mad at myself uh, because of the fact that I I saw it, it it got up to 150. It dropped down to 80 um, yesterday. And I was like, should I buy it? Should I buy it? I don't know if I should buy it. 
And then I looked at it later in the day, and it was at 220. I'm like, no. Oh, and wow. I, I had some money. I could have sold some stocks and bought into that one. I would have had a five-figure day yesterday had I went ahead and done it. And, and the best thing about this is, is that, you know, the people that, you know, all the hedge funds folks, the big wealthy people that were betting against this stock, they've lost over $6 billion mm. with their shorts because now the, the margins are being called, you know, they're, they're being forced to rebuy the stock and yeah. they have to now <laughs> buy them at, at a much higher rate than what they, they sold them at. And they're losing uh, a ton of money. And the people that are making the money are like mm-hmm. Robinhood investors. Yeah. The, the people using the Robinhood app, people using other, you know, small people that don't buy on margin, people that buy the stocks full out. They're the ones mm-hmm. taking advantage of this and, and causing these short squeezes. And so even though I'm, I'm pissed at myself for not buying the stock, I'm having a certain amount of shade and fraud, shade and fraud watching all of these wealthy people just panicking over the fact that they're losing billions of dollars on their manipulation of the stock market. And, but the mm. hypocritical thing, and they could have been the hypocrite of the week this week. We'll see. Maybe they'll be the hypocrite of the week next week. Uh, is now they're begging Congress to do something about it. Maybe we should have been trying to get, yeah, to stop, get people to stop talking about, you know, stocks online, you know, get people to stop doing it. I'm not like, well, maybe you should stop the ability to short sale. How about that? Oh. Stop short selling to begin with, and that would be the one way to do it. Or understand yeah. the fact that when you do a short sale, it's a gamble. You're betting that the stock price is going to go down. If it goes up, you're, you're losing money. And that was the gamble that you took. All, all investing is, involves some form of risk, and every one of them knows it. But again, they want the power of government to protect their wealth and because they're now seeing – just Joe Blow investor. Somebody mm-hmm. like somebody posted on one of the, I was I, I I subscribed to that Reddit to subreddit just to see what other stocks might be there that might show a, a good possibility for for other type gains because there are rumors that there are other stocks that these same group of people are going to target. Um, but just to see who the type of people are that are that that were taking advantage of this 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 amazingness that's happening with GameStop, and it's people like who. You know, some people are like I just bought like 50 shares of it, and you know they went they bought 50 shares at four, you know at four bucks, and now that 50 shares has turned to what 300, 15,000, you know, so they they turned 200 to, to 30,000 or something like that. Like, they, it's people who one one person posted, um, that you know they're they're going to be able to buy their first car that they've never mm-hmm. been able to buy a car for themselves. And now they're going to be able to buy a vehicle for themselves to be able to, I guess, be upwardly mobile. There's somebody else who was like, I'm going to be able to finally pay for my um, wife's or for, our, for, for a relative's procedure that they couldn't afford because our healthcare system sucks in this country. But, you know, somebody else is like, I put, I put aside $50,000. They, they put aside $50,000 into the stock market betting on this one stock. And now they've made 11 million bucks. So they, their 50,000 retirement is now a true retirement fund, all on the backs of billionaires who yeah. are losing a bunch of money, and I'm loving it. So I'm going to go who ahead. Who can and actually me... afford to lose it, Dan? Yeah, they, yeah, they can. I mean, the, the other thing is, the... is, is oh, wow. was it's it crazy, Anna? Man. It's so frustrating. Anna, what's her name? There's one of the Young Turks, one of the people on the Young Turks. She basically posted that, you know, oh, I need to find her tweet. 
Let me let me bring that up real quick. Let me find. Let me put you on hold because there is somebody else calling in. So let's go to this other caller. Uh, caller, what's your name? Where are you from? Yes, my name's Michael. I'm from Minnesota. How you doing? Hey, Michael. How are you doing today? What, what do you have to add to the conversation? Yeah, I was, uh, was going to ask you maybe a question that was a little bit off topic, not necessarily having to do with you know recent politics, but I just wanted to ask you, uh, do you uh, do you believe in God? Do I believe? That is an interesting question. L- let me let me, I I will get to that. Let me go ahead. And let me let okay. me get back to the topic. I'm going to put you on hold, and I'll once I answer that, I'll get back to you. But let, let's let's okay. put you on hold. I hope you maintain the listen. I did find the tweet that Anna Kasparian said. Um, she says, so market manipulation by Federal Reserve pumping dollars into failing banks and corporations is okay. But Reddit users rallying GameStop is wrong and must be regulated. The entire stock market is disconnected from reality. Funny how the financial press cries for hedge funds. Uh, don't car- cry for me, subreddit or whatever. Uh, then you have people, these hedge funds are like... But the CNBC's David Faber said that he is hearing a number of hedge funds are in similar trouble that Melvin Capital saw in GameStop and may need to be bailed out. Now, so they're talking about bailouts of these huge companies, but they took they knew the risk. They took the risk in 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 shorting these stocks, and they shouldn't be allowed. You know, if we take risks as stock market and people investing in stock market, regular Joe Blow trailer. Regular Joe Blow, you know, with Robinhood accounts, trying to get a couple of stocks invested, trying to make a little money in there. If we lose money, we don't get bailed out. But these big businesses get to go, get, get to take all the risk and then get bailed out if they don't get the reward and if their gamble winds up screwing themselves over because a bunch of redditors said we're not going to have it, we're not going to let you kill this industry with a bunch of short sales. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And it's one of the I guess, like I said on my mini cast when I was talking about short sales, and I'm probably going to have a bigger mini cast about this particular topic. Um, and that's on over on Anchor. If you go to minicast.liberaldan.com, you could you could find that when I do that next episode. But it's 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 probably one of the biggest problems that that I have with capitalism. This is a the short sale. B the 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 fact that these people believe that they can manipulate the market in such ways, and then they go ahead and complain when their manipulations fail. Now, as to whether or not I believe in God, and that's what the caller was asking, do I believe in God? Um, I was born Jewish. I was was born to Jewish parents. I was raised Jewish. I went to uh, Jewish uh, Hebrew school uh, from first grade to eighth grade and continued on with my Jewish studies. Um, I, I still have many, I think many of the values and beliefs that I was raised with as somebody who was Jewish. Um, now do I believe in, in an all powerful deity that controls every aspect of our lives? Um, I think honestly, that question for me is up in the air. I'm rather at this, I think, I think I'm agnostic on it. Um, at this point in time in my life, I, I don't. I don't believe that you need to believe in a deity to be a good person. And I believe that just because one believes in a deity that doesn't automatically make them a good person. There are a lot of bad people who claim to believe in God and they don't. Um, I think there are some people who do need religion in their lives to help them. I think they, I think people, there are people who do things for the right things, Uh, but it reminds me of uh, uh, something that I read 
And it was a story about an individual. And I'll get back to you, Colin, in a second. I'm going to bring you back on in a second after I finish this story. Uh, there was an individual who uh, was in yeshiva. And if you don't know what yeshiva is, it's, it's the school that Jews go to to study Torah, uh, to potentially be a rabbi in the future. And the person asked uh, one of the rabbis in his school, um, why did God create atheists? Uh, because he didn't quite understand how could you, you know, how could you be an atheist? Why, why, why would God allow such a thing to happen? You know, sh- shouldn't you make people who are just going to believe in you? And the rabbi said this. He says God created atheists because you know, look at what an atheist does. An atheist does an act of good faith. Does, does an act of charity to the world. Helps heal the world in some way, be it giving food to somebody, teaching somebody who is unskilled, you know, to, to do something for free, uh, helping elevate somebody off of poverty, helping somebody who's sick, you know, they don't do it out of a fear of, you know, what might, what bad might happen to them in the afterlife. They don't do it out of the idea that, Ooh, if I do enough good things in my life that I am going to, you know, be in a good place when I pass away. That's not why the atheist does things. The atheist does some things that are good specifically uh, because he knows that it's the right thing to do and for no other reason other than that. So when somebody asks you for help as somebody who is a person of faith, uh, the rabbi says, don't ask God for guidance on how to do it and if you should do it. Be like the atheist and do it yourself. So, let me get back to the second caller from Minnesota. Um, well, thank you for you know, letting me finish my point, but I did want to uh, get back to your question and, and, and maybe, you know, maybe ask you why, why is my belief in God important uh, to you and, and, and what do you think of what I just said? Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I totally respect what you had to say. Um, I, I'm kind of familiar with that position because I know people who – have a similar religion to yourself, who are like, um, in a sense, I would say they're spiritual, but they don't believe in any, let's say, organized religious system of any kind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that would probably be closer to what you're saying, but um, the fact that you're Jewish, though, really makes it interesting, because it's interesting, because, like, I'm assuming the way you describe it, you're, you basically, you know, you wouldn't believe in the God of the Bible, right, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, that, I mean, Jews are raised to believe in the God of the Bible, obviously. Uh, I was raised to pray to God, you know, and, and I have uh, to pray to, pray to the, the God of the Bible, so the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, you know, I, 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 it's not that I disbelieve. It's just that I, I have questions. And, you know, why, you know, I understand that some of the rules that are in the Torah uh, are, are specifically for like the laws of kashrut, which are the dietary restrictions, like no eating milk and meat, are, are, are there more for health reasons than other things, um, than, you know, than other things that are there just to encourage people to be people. Um, you know, I look at, at suffering in the world, and I, and I why is that necessary? You know, if, if you're an all-powerful God, why not, you know, alleviate the suffering? Why and I look at how some people act in the name of God and, and be like, well, this is not kosher, so to speak. So, I mean, but again, why, why, why the question? I, I, I feel the need to ask why the question, you know, I must do believe in God and um, the way you worded it. So are you Christian? And, 
um, what what difference does it make if I'm you know if people are operating in a in a way that is that is not harmful to others, then why is it important to you to ask that question? Right. No. I well, for myself, I used to be an atheist for most of my life, and I became a Christian recently. And it was having to do with like having a, a spiritual encounter that kind of you know, radically transformed my viewpoint and just how I saw the world. And prior to that, I was you know an atheist who was you know very progressive in my political views. You know, and I looked at the world a certain type of way. And after having this encounter with God, and just I see the Lord, the world in a different perspective. But as far as why I ask you that question. It's like after I like, got to know God, I understand, like, before I met God, I could have cared less what someone else thought, right? I mean, to be honest, I was extremely selfish, self-centered. I didn't really care about the next man. But now that I've met the Lord, if I have this, you know, that love and compassion that he feels for people, like, I feel that in my heart with people, you know? And so I care where people are, where they're going, and wanted to okay. know God because, you know, a lot of people have a negative view of God due to, like, bad relationships they've had with people who were religious or maybe they had a negative event in their life that caused them to look at God and question God and why he wasn't there. But I feel like if God, people really got to know God to real, like for who he really is, everyone would want to know him because he's so loving and kind and merciful. Okay. Now, fair enough. You know, I I do think that, you know, a lot of the times it's like, I think the quote is from Mahatma Gandhi uh, who says, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Uh, so he likes, you know, the, the people who like the ideas that are spouted or that are stated in the Bible are are typically viewed as things that are good. Uh, however, the people that proselytize in them tend to not be as good. Um, so let me ask you a question. Yeah, because we're in the middle of we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, and we're in the middle of uh, you know COVID nineteen is going on. Um, there are areas that are that are hot spots. We have a new strand of the virus going on. You know, we have things like you know the masking mandates and social distancing and et cetera. Um, what what do you feel about masking? Are you somebody who who willingly and happily goes out and wears your mask um, and and who follows the social distancing guidelines that are being set forth? Yeah, of course. Whenever I go into any public place or you know a building stuff, I always wear a mask. So. Good. That's not and, an and, and you, I'm not one and, of these like, you know. Yeah, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you, you, you finish, finish, please. No, I was just saying, I'm not one of these people that are like an anti-masker or like, you know, I, I believe in, you know, doing what we need to do to make sure everyone's taken care of. Because obviously wearing the mask is not for myself or the person wearing the mask. We do it to help other people who, you know, could be more at risk and, you know, have a higher chance of suffering more complications with COVID. Well, look, I mean, that, that 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 tells me one thing that you are practicing what you are preaching. You say that you follow your religion, and the reason you found God is, and it's helped you to be able to be careful and and, and to be caring and and worry about your fellow human beings. And when it comes to COVID nineteen, you are doing what you said you would do. You were caring about your human beings by by doing the responsible things, by wearing a mask, by socially distancing. And I think it's great. I think it's great that you're practicing what you're preaching. I think it's you know if if religion has done you good. That, you know, I'm not mad at, at people who find religion and, and, and at, who in that finding that religion help themselves to be better people. I'm not mad at that. I'm, I'm happy that people are able to use their faith and uh, to, to, to ascend spiritually, ascend, ascend themselves spiritually into better people. 
you know, it, it's great that you're able to do that. I think other people are able to do it without religion. Um, I, I don't necessarily. If see... I could just make a qualifier, I'm not. I'm not religious. Okay. I don't believe okay. religion. That's I mean, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like your faith. Your your faith is what you know. Because again, religion can be annoying. Um, and one of the things you know, I used to when I when I went to uh, I went to Tulane University at first. That was the first university I attended before I switched and switched my majors. Um, but the um, you know, one of the things that just turned me off of the of the organization that was there for for Jewish students at Tulane University was that in the middle of Yom Kippur, which is a Day of Atonement that Jews have, and they fast uh, and, and repent for the sins that they've done over the past year and pray for forgiveness uh, for the bad things that they've done, and and between every prayer, uh, the rabbi was like, "Now donate money, donate money." Donate money, donate money. I'm like, you know what? That's not what we're here for. We're here because we're supposed to be repenting for our sins and we're supposed to be self-reflecting, not trying to support, you know, your new building or whatever. So that that's I think that's why probably why a lot of people get turned off from religion in and of itself. And and in such, sometimes those they those people get turned off from from the belief in any deity overall. But I do want to get back to my other caller. I do hope you continue to listen. I'm going to go ahead and put you on hold. I do want to actually, t- I need to take one more commercial break, uh, take a little bit of a drink, rest my voice for a second. Um, we'll go ahead and uh, continue with these conversations. And I do need to get to the main topic of the show, which is the fact that it's one week into the Biden administration and getting into talking into some of the executive orders that were passed. Uh, but if you want to join in the conversation as well, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. One progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? (laughs) Well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things. Political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will. Catch you on the tune. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. 
For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kind of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budget Ears is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan dot com. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Join the conversation. It's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Uh, it's been one week since Joe Biden has been president. We are going to get to the uh, topic at hand, which was the uh, the record-setting amount of executive orders that Biden has uh, written and signed. I guess probably other people helped write them, obviously, uh, but he signed them, putting them into effect. Uh, we're going to be discussing that. I do want to get back to the first caller, um, Hotep and see if he any other comments to make on what we just talked about when it came to religion uh, or any of the other points that were made before I go ahead and talk about the executive orders. So just wanted to check back in with you and see if you had anything to add before I moved on to the next topic. Yeah, the previous caller brought up religion, and it came out like a meteorite from left field. And I can just say that religion is built on mythology. Mythology had a place three, four, five thousand years ago when we didn't have microscopes, etc. Today, for someone to say that they were atheists and then turn spiritual is pretty odd because I'm on the atheist side and I can't see myself going the other way because the other way is really nationalism, religions. If you're born in India, you will probably be Hindu. In China, you would probably be Buddhist. In Arabia, you would be Muslim. So religion tends to be the luck of the draw and the flag, etc., and war, and other things go with it. I, the caller that was atheist probably doesn't know that the word God itself is just the noun for a deity, Allah in Islam, you know, oligon, etc. These deities do not exist. They're man-made creations that keep us humans fighting, and the caller may not know about the ecumenical councils when the so-called Bible, Bibles, because it's many books, were changed. Which powerful deity needs humans? The caller may also want to know that all holy books are only written on the man-made technology of the time, paper, 
internet, papyrus. So if you look at that, you say, well, God, the deity, Allah, etc., is limited by the human technology of the time. Hmm, wonder why the deity needs transliteration and translation. I mean, I, I, this is an area that I could go on for hours on because I was in a cult and abused, and I had to learn that something is wrong with this, and I survived. And so I don't usually get into it because it spoils otherwise intellectual conversations. But for people that are interested, I just let them know the truth. But back to reality. Well, okay. well, no, but it's interesting. It is interesting that you bring that up because it's interesting that we have two, we have two callers. He's still on the line. Uh, but it's interesting oh, that we have to, well, he's there. He's, he's on hold. I mean, I just wanted to go back to you. But it's interesting that, that we're on, the, on, the, on the call, we have, people, we have one individual who went from atheism to faith, and then another person who went from faith via a cult uh, to, to a, a, a becoming an atheist. And, and just, you know, the, it, it's always interesting to, to hear the views from the, you know, I like to understand why people believe it the way that they do. I don't necessarily have to agree with everybody on what, what they do. Like, you know, when I was kind of growing up, I used to, you know, question myself, well, I'm being raised Jewish. Why isn't everybody Jewish? You know, why is, why are there so many different faiths and beliefs? And there's, there's a funny explanation of it where um, a lot of people call the term uh, mansplaining. I, I'm more of a firm term. I'm more of a fan of the term correctile dysfunction. Um, but that, that, you know, you basically have most of the people that are out there proselytizing tend to be men. So you basically have had, uh, men trying to explain to people, you know, their version of what the deity said to them. And that's why it's so different. Um, but one of the things that I kind of thought, thought up of when I was, you know, being raised, you know, as a, as a good Jewish boy, I guess, so to speak, you know, being bar mitzvah and everything or being, becoming bar mitzvah, which is the more tecular technical term, um, was that maybe, you know, if you had different people in different areas with different cultures, uh, different, different, different ways that I guess they could be approached, uh, different, what, you know, different traditions that uh, of, in those geographical areas that if somebody was an all powerful deity that wanted to make sure that they were worshiped by everybody, uh, they might reveal themselves to different people in different ways, specifically. to you know, into the traditions of that role, you know, here's, then again, if somebody was trying to convince people that they were representative of a deity that didn't really exist, then you would obviously want to put those traditions into the religion that you're creating or into the faith that you're trying to get them to have in order to make them believe, um, oh, well, all these things that you've been doing, uh, those are clearly because it's the God that told you so, because this is, and then try and spin it that way. Uh, there's and there's proof that this happened, you know, by the inclusion of like Saturnalia and other types of uh, belief systems, and I, you know, in in you know, other types of events uh, and, and the similarities between uh, different uh, cultures, okay. like Egyptian culture and the the Ra in the creation of yeah. this, the sun and God Horus. with. Mm-hmm. Horus, Horus, yes, I'm sorry, Horus. It's been a while since I've seen Stargate, so. Uh, <laughs> By the way, you're uh, right. Ra was the sun god. Horus uh, was the sun, right? And Horus is a spinoff of Jesus. And Jesus wasn't even his name because there was no letter J in Hebrew, in Aramaic, in Greek, in Egyptian, in Persian. So my friends that tell me about Jesus, Jehovah, etc., I say, where in your Bible does it say that he, she, it said to change my name? 
There was no Christ. Well, the word God itself is pagan. It comes from well, proto-Germany. I mean, if you watched uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you know that, right? Because he yeah. first went to step on J, and he almost died because he stepped on the wrong letter. Because there is no, there was no J there too. So um, I'm going to go ahead and put you on mute. I'll, I'll come back and check with y'all. I do want to make sure. I'm not going. I don't want to. I, I did schedule the show to, to last three hours, but I really didn't want to have it last three hours. I'll probably, you know, end it maybe in the next 20 minutes or so. But I did want to talk about, you know, get into um, again, Joseph Biden. President Joe Biden and his first week in office, because that's the point of having this episode. It's been one week uh, since he took office, um, took the oath of office, um, and he basically, again, set a record for the most amount of executive orders uh, that a president has ever done. And but I, and I posited in my headlines at the beginning of the show, um, do, do the ones that counteract what Trump did? Are those really, you know, do those count as, as, you know, because if you have matter and antimatter, talking about science, if you have matter and antimatter, they come together, collide, you end up with energy, but you end up with, you know, it, it destroys both of the items. So there's, so they're no, they're both no longer there. So if, if you, if you write an order that undoes another order, that's basically as if you're just erasing the other order. So is it really an order that exists at this point, or is it just the fact that it's now it's undone? You can rip both up, and and because if if you're undoing what Trump did, then the only reason you have what you have is to undo what Trump did. So you could just basically rip both up and and wind up having the same thing as the, as if the first one was written in the first place. So that's the point I'm making with that. Some of these executive orders undoing Trump era executive orders. Uh, hey, Dan, bringing a boy is in the chat room and he's asking a question is air matter. Um, is air matter? I, I have a feeling this is going to relate to masking. Um, matter is, is anything that's made up of elements or, or what have you. So air is made up of matter. I would, I would say, I mean, you could, if somebody could correct me if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, interpreting that wrongly or whatever or is numbness a feeling numbness a feeling numbness is a lack of feeling so i guess is is atheism a religion is that are you going to get that way is is, is is numbness a feeling is atheism a religion well it depends on your definition of atheism if your definition of atheism is the belief that there is no god uh, then maybe it is a religion. If atheism is the is not believing in a god, then it's not a religion. It's a, it's a lack of religion. Uh, atheism, literally, no religion. Um, I don't know if that's where you're going. Um, so I would I would say I don't I don't know if that's where you're going with it. But welcome to the chat, bringing a boy. Appreciate it. I don't know how you've been, how long you've been there, but it looks like you just posted that. So I'm glad you also joined us in the chat with the two individuals that are on the phone as well, um, currently on hold. So um, I'm going to be talking about the executive orders. If you have anything to say about that, I'll address them right away. Otherwise, I'll address the points after the fact, um, after we get to the topics of some of, at least some of the executive orders that were done by President Biden. And again, as I was saying, if you write an executive order that deletes the other executive order, it's basically the same thing as ripping both up. So I don't, it's like, you have nothing there anymore, um, unless unless the executive order does more than just undo it, but it establishes new things. At which point, all you have left is 
the new thing established. Um, so the first thing on day one, um, uh, according to the memorandum, um, Joe Biden uh, froze approval of rules passed in the final days of Trump presidency. Um, this is from Ronald Klain, assistant to the chief of staff, um, regulatory freeze pending review. Um, basically, uh, with respect to the rules that have been sent to the OFR but not published in the Federal Register, immediately withdraw them from the OFR for review and approval as prescribed in paragraph one. Um, so basically, they want to go over all of the things that he did to try and say, okay, well, do we allow them to continue or not? Uh, he rejoined the Paris Agreement on climate change, which, you know, we should have never left. Um, unfortunately, we have a senator in Ted Cruz that seems to believe that the Paris Agreement means that we're going to be beholden to the people of Paris. How you can be so dumb and be elected to the U.S. Senate is just beyond me. Um Let's see. Executive order to promote racial equity. Uh, Biden ordered the government to conduct equity assessments of his agencies and reallocate resources to advance equity for all, including people of color and otherwise who have been previously underserved, marginalized, and adversely affected by persistent poverty, poverty and inequality, which is... Um, According to Section 1 of the, of the executive order, equal opportunity is a bedrock of American democracy, and diversity is one of our company's greatest strengths, but too often the American dream remains out of reach. And then a lot of people question, well, what, 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 is that, what is the word of – what does equity mean? Uh, the uh, quality of being fair and impartial, treating people fairly. So – Fairness or justice in the way that people are treated is what equity means. So, you, so you're not guaranteeing equality. You're not guaranteeing equal results, but you're guaranteeing that there's going to be fairness uh, in what goes on so that people have a fair shake and that they're not being uh, disadvantaged because of you know, the color of their skin or the fact that they might be uh, you know, certain other things that, that you might use to describe a person. So... Um, Ending the ban of U.S. entry from majority Muslim countries, you know, something that Donald Trump campaigned, actually Donald Trump campaigned on uh, in 2016, that he wanted to do a full and a total and complete ban of Muslims entering this country until we figured out what the hell was going on. Um, he was unable to get that accomplished. He was unable to do that in four years, uh, but he did implement a ban from seven predominantly Muslim countries. Uh, just because they were predominantly Muslim countries. A lot of people during the time brought up how Jimmy Carter banned people from one specific country, but that one specific country was causing problems. So that, that's a completely different thing than just saying these seven countries are mostly Muslim and we're not going to allow people to come from here. So ending that. And all because, uh, now, now that Biden did that, the conservatives are like, well, what about COVID? Are you, well, Biden also rescinded the rescinding of the travel ban, especially from specific countries where COVID-19 is a problem, especially where you're seeing new strains of the virus come. So, so it's complete. So now, for some reason, conservatives want to believe that COVID is something that we have to worry about now, except for when they don't, you know, Biden did re-implement the bans because of COVID, but not because of religion. And that's, that's an important thing. President Trump should have made an executive order that the next president can only have so many executive orders. Um, and if the first executive order at that point were, was to be 
uh, all of President Trump's executive orders are null and void, uh, then what? You know, <clears throat> then again, it's one of those antimatter things where the matter and antimatter collide. Boom, there's no more. That 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 executive order goes away. So you you have the effect of not having that in place to begin with. I don't think the president has the authority to tell the next president what the next president can do. Um, in certain ways, I think that there's there's been some weird Supreme Court rulings or at least court rulings that have uh, basically told the Trump administration that they could not take uh, deferred action uh, based on the Obama level pro- programs uh, and kind of ha- tied the hands on that. Um, and of course, there was another court that just basically said that the Joe Biden uh, 100-day pause on deportation was also something that was in violation of, I guess, the law, even though it was ex- an executive order changing policy. Uh, so I don't quite know how the courts can tell them how they can follow or implement policy in such a way. I'm not quite sure how that works, uh, but I'm sorry, as as Donald Trump would say, it is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, executive order wearing mask, requiring mask wearing on federal property. Of course, people didn't read the. You know, people people live in thirty second sound bites, and it's the way it is. And it's probably as our first caller said. You know, the reason why maybe my show isn't as popular as it might be is because people like short, small sound bites. Why TikTok's famous? You can make. 15-second or 30-second or one-minute videos, and that's what the people have the attention span for. Um, so maybe they don't like an hour-and-a-half program dealing with facts, logic, and reason like I try and bring each and every Wednesday at the time or right now until the, the show takes off, and maybe I can do it daily at that point. Um, but where's I going with that? Um, oh, yeah. So they, they, they listened to what Joe Biden said about having a mask on federal property, where you have to always wear a mask on federal property. That's, you go, that's what this executive order does. That's kind of the summary of what it does. But what happened? Well, they, they saw Joe Biden at the Lincoln Memorial outside, not near anybody, not wearing a mask. And they're like, well, why didn't Joe Biden wear a mask if he didn't have to wear a mask? If everyone has to wear a mask on federal property? No, the executive order specifically says that, 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 were to follow the CDC guidance on masking and social distancing that the CDC has set up. And the CDC would not tell somebody who's standing alone in the middle of the Lincoln Memorial that they need to wear a mask if they're alone at the Lincoln Memorial because they're outside, they're not near anybody. You don't have to wear a mask at that point. Let's see, but words that we use today are not what they mean thanks to the left. What example of words bringing a boy that we use are not what they mean today. I mean, there is the whole thing where they change the definition of literally in the defi- in the dictionary to mean both literally and figuratively. I'm not quite sure if that's something that's done by liberals, so to speak. I don't know if liberalism is to blame for that ridiculousness, uh, but uh, there are language does change with, with time. Um, you know, there was a long time ago where if you said the word computer, it meant somebody who computes. It was it described a person who did computations and not a device that sits on my desktop or my laptop or my cell phone. Uh, so yes, words can change over time. 
Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And sometimes things enter the vernacular that uh, don't always, uh, that, that didn't used to always exist. And again, it doesn't make that a bad thing. Like the executive order, I need to get rid of this ad. It's really disgusting. Um, this ad had like weird toe fungus or something on it. It was kind of creeping me out. And every time, I, as I scrolled, the ad still stayed there. I'm like, stop it. Stop showing me this disgusting toe. <laughs> anyway, uh, executive order coordinating government-wide COVID-19 response. Um, we surpassed 400,000 deaths. We're probably going to get to 500,000 really soon. Um, there is Biden's order created the position of a COVID-19 response coordinator uh, who will advise the president oversee distribution of vaccines, tests, and other supplies. It is a damn shame. That's the one thing that I don't understand. Donald Trump could have won this election had he simply did what he needed to do when it came to COVID-19. But he dropped the ball. Not only did he drop the ball, he threw the ball away because he, he admitted to Woodward that he downplayed the virus because he likes to downplay things, because he likes to sugarcoat things, because he likes to give everybody diabetes, which maybe that's why he made the insulin rule, I guess. Um and that's apparently something that, that Biden is putting a pause to is the insulin rule thing. Um, the how, and we've talked about that on the podcast too, um, because, uh, you know, the, the amount of Donald Trump made that executive order about medicine pricing um, when it came to EpiPens and insulin, he made that into this, Big deal. This is going to help so many people. Well, if you looked at the text of the executive order, you only saw that it helped particular subset, a particular program, which only goes to particular, uh, only to particular uh, clinics. And if you look at the amount of people that use those clinics, according to the website pertaining to those clinics, those types of clinics, it basically helped 0.3%, like three-tenths of 1% of all people in this country will be aided, would have been aided by that particular thing. Now, whether or not, you know, I haven't quite gotten to the executive order that stops that yet. Uh, maybe it's the, maybe that's the whole, let's put a pause on the things that are supposed to go in the federal register because again, it was supposed to take effect Friday. It didn't even take place until after his presidency was over or it wasn't supposed to take place. But, you know, if you're, and I'm not necessarily the type of person that says if you're only helping 0.3% of the population, then you shouldn't do it. I mean, maybe you should consider making figuring out a way to help more with their insulin and EpiPen prices. But I'm not going to begrudge people like the idea that Biden has, I think, either to cut 10 or 50,000 in people's student loans. That's not going to get rid of my student loan debt by, you know, 50,000 might cut it a little bit but I'm still going to owe a lot of money from my student loans. But just because I'm just because I would still wind up ending up owing a lot of money, doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It's like, you know, giving somebody free food, you know, giving somebody a food stamp. Well, I had to pay for my food. Why can't you know that that's the same kind of idea that if I had to pay for my uh, student loans, why should I, other people have to pay theirs off? You know, why shouldn't they have to pay theirs off too? Well, why are you angry that somebody's getting something, you know, if you were in the situation that they're in, you would probably want help too. Um, don't be mad that other people are benefiting, even if it's not necessarily to the same level that you wish to be benefited by. Um, 
executive order reversing immigration enforcement policies, uh, revoking a Trump-era policy that cracked down on communities shielding undocumented immigrants from deportation. Uh, Biden vowed to protect national and border security, address the humanitarian challenges on the southern border. This is one of the things that when people talk about sort of so-called cities that are um, sanctuary cities, there's no such thing as a sanctuary city. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a myth. You know, well, what, what do you mean, Dan? There, there are the cities that are there. New Orleans, might, the one you live in, supposedly one. San Francisco is supposedly one. Well, according to the Constitution, the ability or the power to enforce border policy strictly belongs to the federal government. That's Article 1, Section 8 thing, I believe. Um, somebody, you can bring, correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, bringing a boy, if it's not Article 1, Section 8. Um, but and because it is something that is specifically a power given to the federal government, it is by then, according to the 10th Amendment, not a power retained by the people or the states. So since the 10th Amendment prohibits cities, states and cities, municipalities, whatever, to enforce border policy, they have no power in doing so, then you cannot have sanctuary cities because the constitutional authority to do that isn't there. They don't. Have, they lack the authority. You can't punish a city for doing for not doing something they don't have the authority to do. It's just ridiculous. Um, executive order undoing regulatory restrictions on federal agencies. Um, there was a batch of Trump era executive. This is one of these like one for twos where his executive order, or you know, in, in, in ironically. It is a batch of Trump-era executive actions that restricted how federal agencies make regulatory changes. <laughs> so in, in writing one executive order, let's see, how many revocation of orders? Uh, 13771, 13777, um, so those are set six executive orders Donald Trump made uh, pertaining to um, the restrictions that they put on regulations. So, and one of the thing, one of the one of the things that Donald Trump said that he wanted to do, which is one of the things that he's childish on, or was childish on, I should say, because he's no longer president, uh, is that you know he will well if you have a regulation you have to get rid of two others. Why? It's absurd. If there's a regulation, it should be there's a regulation that's needed and necessary. It should be implemented regardless of any other regulation. Furthermore, if there are regulations that are unneeded or unnecessary, those should also be taken away and, and removed without any regard to anything else. But this executive order, this one executive order nuked six. So it did a better job of nuking things than Trump ever did. So Biden's already surpassed Trump on his ability to... Uh, Trump was only a two-for-one. Biden is a six-for-one guy. There you go. Um, executive order incorporating undocumented immigrants into the census. Undocumented immigrants will be counted in national decennial population counts, according to Biden's order, which overturned Trump's exempt, attempt to exclude them during the 2020 census. The Constitution is clear on this one. This is, this is Trump was acting unconstitutionally by not counting undocumented immigrants. The Constitution specifically requires a count of all persons. It doesn't say citizens, it says persons. So if you, persons, does it have anything 
any care in the world as to what the immigration status of those people are. They must be counted. Donald Trump refusing to count them is him trying to was him trying to violate the Constitution. This executive order by Joe Biden undoes an executive order or undoes policy uh, set forth by Donald Trump and as such returns it to the way that it should be. Um, bringing a boy posted this thing. If President Trump won 74 million votes, that leaves only 67.5 million votes remaining for Biden. Your numbers are wrong, sir. Uh, total number of let's do total number of registered voters in the U.S. 2020. Uh, 133 million registered voters argument uses flawed logic. Um, Reuters calculations found that there was an estimated 206,557,583 registered voters as of the publication of this article, which was published January 1st, 2021. So while, so, so your numbers there, 74, 77, World population. Let, let, let's open up this article. Let's see. I appreciate that you're. Uh, do, 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 do. According to this thing, almost 92 million eligible Americans did not vote in the American presidential election. So. <laughs> I'm not seeing exactly where this. Uh, where this website is is giving the numbers that you're giving me, uh, bringing it boy, but I, I think you're wrong on this one. Uh, this is this is something, and I mean, as soon as I saw the argument, as soon as I said 74 or 67.5 left, I automatically knew that you were using incorrect numbers because that's not incorrect numbers because the the, the election results were legitimate and the the continued insistence of of, of suggesting that the election was somehow flawed is one of the disservices that Donald Trump did to this country um, when he, <clears throat> and in doing so, wound up encouraging and inciting a group of people to go march on the Capitol when he told them to go march on the Capitol on January 6th. Bill Biden, he might have came up with them, but they're not accurate. Those numbers are not accurate. I don't know who Bill Binney is, but the numbers are not accurate. Um, let's see. Executive order refocusing on climate crisis and canceling the Keystone XL permit. Good. Uh, Keystone pipeline is not needed. There was, it was already, re- it was redundant and it was cutting through indigenous lands. There was so many things wrong with the Keystone pipeline. Um, executive order banning discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. Um, non-discriminating protections to member of the LGBTQ community, uh, building off uh, Bostock versus Clayton County to expand protections against discrimination based on sex and federal agencies uh, t- to include sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression as well. Um, Memorandum Biden directed the head of the OMB to oversee an effort to modernize and improve the regulatory review process. Um, Trump's midnight bid reversed ethics commitments for executive branch's employees. Biden uh, ordered all government employees to sign an ethics pledge prohibiting the acceptance of gifts from registered lobbyists and lobbying for at least two years after exiting the government. 
Um, he pulled funds from, he terminated the construction and funding of the wall to Southern border and he pulled the funds for it um, is being uh, the, the funding on the wall has been drawing back according to this article for environmental impacts and is being litigated for improper use of funds. Um, he further paused student loan payments, uh, reinstated deferred enforced departure for uh, Liberians uh, specifically for Liberians, um, to f- reaffirm DACA, uh, that uh, Trump sought to dismantle DACA. Uh, one of the worst things, one of, one of the worst things that I believe Donald Trump did early in his presidency was the fact that you had a group of people who were here um, by no fault of their own. They're brought here as kids. Uh, they didn't have a choice in the matter. You know, there, there was no mens rea if you're trying to claim that these people were somehow violating the law. I mean, if, if, if you're a, if you're a baby in a carriage and your parent steals a candy bar and throws the candy bar into the carriage and you're holding it, it doesn't mean that you stole the candy as a baby. You know, you can't hold them responsible uh, for it. I don't know if we, have, you know what? I, I think we've discussed this before on the show. Um, the bringing a boy asks in the chat, you can't tell me you approve of boys playing against girls in sports. I, I'll answer that question simply. Yes, I, I agree with you. Boys should not compete against girls. Boys should not compete against girls. Trans women are women. Trans men are men. So if a trans, a young trans woman is wanting to compete with other young trans women, uh, then that should be allowed. Uh, and, and, especially like when it comes to like title IX sports, like in, in college, uh, there are regulations by the NCAA that sets forth, you know, certain hormonal requirements that must be in place in order for somebody who is a trans woman, uh, to compete against other women. Uh, so they have to pass certain, uh, testosterone. And if you have certain levels of testosterone, uh, in your body or, or you, you lack the levels of testosterone that you might've had previously before transitioning, uh, you you would then not build muscle as if you would with those levels of testosterone. As such, you are not going to be at the unfair advantage that uh, people want to claim exists uh, when it comes to trans athletes. Now, uh, whether or not those high school girls uh, can get uh, the hormones to be able to stop, uh, the, you know, sometimes they can be given hormone blockers uh, to stop the development uh, for puberty. Um, but they don't necessarily, I don't think they often give hormone, uh, hormones to, uh, young adults who are in high school or, you know, who are just coming out of high school or who are still in high school at the young adults, young, older teens, I'm not sure that what the policies are when it comes to giving them. So, you know, the, uh, most people who are, are boys who, who have, you know, who are cis men, cis young men, I should say, they're not going to want to just join girls sports just for the cal of it, just to make women feel bad. They're not going to get a college scholarship as a cis man competing in women's sports. It's just not going to happen. So there's no, there's no, there's no benefit for a cis man to compete, but here's the thing. And here's, and we'll get back to the executive orders in a second, because I feel it's very important to say this. If studies show that for every person that accepts a trans person, 
the gender that they are instead of the gender that they are inaccurately labeled with on their birth certificate, that person is 50%, that trans person is 50% less likely to commit suicide. So if, if the more people that accept the trans person for who they are, the less likely they are to kill themselves. And if you're going to ask me to compare the harm that's done, um, if, if little Sally doesn't get a scholarship in track because she happened to compete against somebody who is a trans woman, then I think that I think the harm of that is, I mean, the odds of that happening are slim to none. Little Sally probably wasn't going to get a track scholarship, uh, or if Little Sally is going to get a track scholarship, it probably wasn't going to be prevented by a young trans woman getting in her way. But the harm of not being able to get a scholarship based on athletics and instead is, is much worse, is much, is much less harm than the harm of suicide and death. So I think we need to pay more attention to the deaths of people. Now, it's, it's, it's more possible that, I mean, hormone levels differ. It's possible you might have a woman who was born a woman, who identifies as a woman, who, who is not a trans person but is a cisgender person, but who happens to have abnormally high testosterone levels. That person might also have an unfair advantage over some other woman who does not have the same hormone levels that are not abnormal. Are you going to stop that person too from competing? That person is a cisgender woman, but they happen to have, they might happen to have some condition that gives them elevated levels of testosterone. So you're getting into a whole argument here that uh, you're getting into a whole and you say, come on, really? Yes, really. I, it's it's I, it's more important to me to take into consideration the people's uh, lives than whether or not they get a scholarship to a particular school on sports because some trans person was allowed to compete with people of the same gender. Anyway, day two. Now, all, all of these things that I discussed on, on, on Biden's executive orders, and it looks like we'll be going to 10 o'clock. We'll, we'll be going to full two hours uh, because I don't want to – I'm only at day one already. We're, we, we covered in the last 20 minutes, I guess, before I got to the topic of trans issues. We got to – we only got day one. That's how much Joe Biden did his first day in office. I mean, let's be fair. He has a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work ahead of him. Donald Trump left a fuster clock of work to do. I mean, there's just so much that Donald Trump left that was wrong because Donald Trump this was like a novelty project to him. It wasn't a – he didn't take the job as seriously as he wanted, and, and he used the job – to try and enrich himself and his family, not to help the citizens of this country be in a better place. But day two, uh, executive voter promoting COVID-19 safety and domestic and international travel. Um, he wants to mandate mask wearing on public transportation in airports, airplanes, and buses. Good. Uh, wants to expand access to COVID-19 treatments. Good. Uh, data-driven response to COVID-19. Good. Uh, memorandum supporting states' use of National Guard and COVID-19 response, good. Uh, executive order strengthening public health supply chain, good. He's been talking about how states didn't know, couldn't plan because they didn't know what was coming three weeks three weeks from now. So Joe Biden 
this Biden presidency has basically said, look, we're going to let all of you states know that three weeks from now, you're going to know what's coming in. And then the next week, you'll know what's coming three weeks from that point. So you'll be able to plan accordingly and be able to, you know, because we have situations now where there are states that are having to cancel people's uh, vaccine appointments because they didn't have the vaccines available because this administration, the last administration, just dropped the ball. Let, let just handed President Biden a pile of crap and said, "Hey, this is our COVID response, uh, strengthening public health supply chains." Uh, he invoked the Defense Production Act to ramp up supplies for a pandemic response. Good. Um, COVID-19 Health Equity Task Force. Again, we talked about equity and, and, the, and the disproportionate impact that COVID-19 has had on marginalized communities. So the, the fact that we have an adult in the office and our adults in the administration who are willing to look at these important issues, good. Um, executive order supporting the reopening and continuing operation of schools. <sighs> Well, we're bound to get to some place in some time where where I was going to disagree with these executive orders and Joe Biden. Here it is. I mean, if you follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash liberal Dan, you follow me on Facebook, you will see my first criticism of Joe Biden took place when I criticized his use of the word blacks, uh, because black is an adjective, not a noun. So when you're referring to black people, you should refer to them as black people um, when when their blackness is relevant. Uh, I, I understand that it's something that's kind of an archaic thing that because he's an older gentleman that he, he is more inclined to be able to say black people, but he said white Americans in the same speech. So if you can say white Americans, you can say black, black, black Americans. And, and that, that makes it less dehumanizing. Just call them Americans if it's not relevant, call them black Americans. If it is call them black people, if it is because people in the society are not all Americans, but they're still getting disproportionately harmed uh, by COVID-19. Uh, but reopening, Biden wants schools reopened in 100 days. Now, my kids are not going to be affected by this simply because of the fact that we opted into distance learning for the entirety of the semester. As such, we are not going to go back to school to the fall. There's, we're not, there's no way. We're not going back to school to the fall, period. Um, but I think it's here's, – here's what's going on during this pandemic is one of the things that's frustrating – we put, in, we put into place a certain set of restrictions because we see cases. So those restrictions are put in place. The cases level out. We end the spike. So what do we do? We get rid of the restrictions. And then it spikes again. And then we have to go back. So if we don't have a vaccine ready and to, vaccines ready to be fully deployed and distributed to enough people in America to give us herd immunity so that we can continue on with our daily, normal daily lives, then all bringing people, opening things back up does is just make it more likely that we're going to have to shut back down again for all. Just do everything distance learning at this point. It doesn't make any sense to me. To, and that's why we opted in for, in for distance learning for this semester. Even though it's more difficult, yes. Even though in, in a vacuum, learning in school settings are better, yes. But again, the thing is, is that well, this is not in a vacuum. We're in a pandemic, not in a vacuum. So we have to protect everybody and that includes keeping people home as much as possible and you might say well kids are less likely to be affected or even carry it well if you have the evidence on that that show it but there's new strains coming in and it's been said that the, that the new strain that was in england is going to be the prominent strain in the united states in march and if it's more infectious than opening these back, back at schools i think you risk the possibility of creating more super spreader events there's not if you're being data driven 
you, you shouldn't be data-driven in we're doing this and this is causing a problem. You should be data-driven in, in determining that it's safe to go back with the new strain before going back. That's my opinion on it. That's, so that's one, another area where I guess I disagree with the president on when it comes to that. Uh, executive order promoting workplace safety in the pandemic. Uh, new guidance uh, to promote health and safety for the Department of Labor, such as mask wearing in the workplace. Um, he also signed an executive order. I don't know if that was on day two or not. That also made it so that uh, instructing the uh, Department of Labor to be able to allow people on unemployment to deny a job uh, if uh, the job is going to cause them to be harmed and as such uh, or a risk harm by access or exposure to COVID-19 if they or them, their family members are more at risk and still enable you to continue to collect unemployment. It's a good thing. Um, executive order establishing a pandemic testing board. Um, again, we need more testing in this country to, to get a better handle on what's going on so that we can more have more targeted responses. And, you know, our president, the last president didn't realize that. Um, he just was worried about the optics of having more cases and in a horrible way, reduced, pushed for the reduction of tests so that he wouldn't have to see as many numbers because I guess he couldn't handle that. Day three, executive order expanding food assistance, uh, 15% increase in, in SNAP benefits uh, to allow states to increase SNAP allotments and increase benefits under another aid program, the pandemic electronic benefits transfer, which gives students more money for food. Um, executive order assisting veterans with debt, um, a freeze in federal debt or overpayment collection of about 2 million veterans, uh, executive order guaranteeing unemployment insurance for workers. So that, that was day three, where the uh, co-insurance or where that happens. Uh, establishing benefit delivery teams, uh, coordinate with states and federal agencies to facilitate the distribution of federal aid during the pandemic. Uh, good. Um, that it's good to have a broader team to be able to handle this. Uh, facil- executive order facilitating delivery of stimulus payments, getting ready for the next stimulus payment if and when it comes. Uh, economic relief, um, promptly identify actions they can take within existing authorities to address the current economic crisis resulting from the pandemic. Good. Uh, empowering federal workers and contractors. Um, order require requested Department of Labor develop recommendations that all federal government employees receive a minimum of $15 an hour. And of course, there's, uh, uh, let's see, including a rule that made it easier to hire and fire civil servants in policymaking decisions. Day six, uh, executive order reversing the transmilitary ban. Good. I'm sure bringing employees not going to like it, but good. If somebody is a trans person uh, who can do the duties, it shouldn't matter that they're trans. It, all that should matter is they should be able to do their duties, period. End of story. Uh, proclamation reinstating COVID-19 travel restrictions. Again, good. Um, executive order promoting by American agenda. It's good that we should... Uh, our U.S. agencies, U.S. government, everything should absolutely buy American. I do believe that Donald Trump also tried to implement something like that. Both good under both presidents. Not mad at either one of them for doing it. It's a good idea. Uh, day seven, executive order calling for evaluation of Trump's housing policies. Um, again, don't know if this needed or not. We'll see what, what that finds. Um, putting a brain surgeon in charge of the housing policy didn't seem to be the smartest thing in the world. Um, putting a brain surgeon in charge of medical issues, making him, they would have made um, him the Surgeon General, Ben Carson the Surgeon General, and that's fine. 
making him the head of HUD was ridiculous. I don't know why he had to, there. There are people who are probably within the HUD or who have housing ex- experience in housing that could have been a bit of a better job than Ben Carson. But again, Donald Trump wants to kiss butt. So um, executive order to end reliance on five private prisons, private prisons. And I'm sure our caller uh, is still on the phone. And I'm sure he probably have a lot to say on this. I've discussed private prisons in the past on this program. Uh, the use of private prisons only seems to want to promote uh, the, the incarceration of people. You shouldn't be profiting off of people's uh, being imprisoned. Uh, you shouldn't be. There's, there's, so, there's so much opening there for fraud and abuse. Uh, you had judges who were taking uh, campaign contributions uh, from prisons, and, and these Judges were basically writing pipelines into prisons so that they could just make money for a three, quick three-day stay. So uh, getting rid of private prisons is a good thing and needs to be done. Now, there is a whole prison abolition movement on top of that, which is an interesting idea as well. I mean, having the end goal of eliminating prisons altogether is potentially a good thing. Um, of course, how do you get to that point is is the question, but that should, I guess, always be our end goal. We should, we should aim and strive to have zero prisoners in this country um, and figure out the ways to be able to tackle that without, um, without doing, putting people at risk by having people locked up. Um, you know, not locked up who need to be locked up. Because, look, there are some people that need to be locked up. But there are other people, you know, if, if, as people have said in the whole defund police movement, where if you would have focused efforts in ways to help uplift communities and make people less likely to resort to crime, then maybe you wouldn't have as many prisoners to, to, in the first place. And, and you wouldn't, maybe police officers wouldn't be stressed if you remove some of their funding uh, that, that on certain issues uh, like, like mental health, for example, and allow mental health professionals instead to handle the mental health issues. Um, executive order reaffirming commitment to tribal sovereignty. Good. Uh, executive order denouncing anti-Asian discrimination and xenophobia. The fact that this is still happening is ridiculous and is specifically Trump's fault because Trump continued to want to call the whole thing the Wuhan virus or the or the uh, China flu or the Kung flu. We're <laughs> so smart and funny that we call it the Kung flu. I like our president because he he makes funny jokes and and to the detriment of Asians. That's that's your president for you, but that's that's pretty much a rundown or or a summary of uh, all of the things that uh, Joe Biden has done within the first seven days of his presidency, and of all those things that are listed, I I found one specifically on this list, and one I question, you know, the whole making, you know, what are they doing specifically when it comes to, uh, um, let me see if we can look that up, Biden, uh, Biden. Let's see if I could, that, that pulls up anything. Um, Kaiser Health News, see if they have anything about it. Um, Penn. Uh, Epi. Our administration on Thursday delayed the rule that would block community health centers from receiving future Grants, unless they charge low-income patients the acquisition price for insulin and EpiPens, plus an administration fee. HHS signed off on the rule in December, shortly before President Donald Trump left office. It aims to lower patients' out-of-pocket costs by forcing community clinics to pass on 
their discounts. The rule requires federally qualified health centers to give their discounts to uninsured patients with high cost sharing uh, insulin or EpiPens or high unmet deductible. So, um, so, so this is an, an you know people talked about the uh, Biden stop it. No, Biden's not stopping necessarily the, the places from being charged a fee, but he's stopping them from not being able to get federal money unless they do it. So. We'll see. We'll we'll see. We'll see what this does. I'm not necessarily convinced that it's the best thing to do, um, but we'll 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 I'll try and keep an eye on this to see how this particularly goes, um, because it's it's one of the few things that, despite the fact that it really didn't help that much people, again, three tenths of one percent of all people were helped by this by this rule that Trump created. Uh, the wording of the rule, as it's stated in this Kaiser Health News uh, website seems to suggest that it was it was basically strong trying to strong arm businesses into you know you can't get funds unless you do this and maybe that's not the best way to go about doing things maybe there's a better way to get that accomplished we'll see how joe biden accomplishes that so let's go ahead i want do want to go back to our caller um because we are going to be ending the show in, in, in soon around 10 ish my time so i did want to come back and see if you had any other comments you wanted to make before we went ahead and wrapped things up. Yeah, just quickly that uh, liberal community is very open to hearing from the right, the Republican side. Um, they're not as open to hearing and they tend to be very aggressive in terms of responding to attack uh, shows that are more liberal. You have a lot of patience with that. I'm more of a Republican in terms of patience. I don't have time for the Republican nonsense because their definitions and meanings and logic when it comes to politics and race relations and female rights is just out of the window. But there is an area I don't agree with you on, and that's on um, people that were male that become female being able to compete in sports because Mm -hmm. it's not all just hormones, nor is it just muscle strength. It's also the fact that if you look at young kids, boys are more likely to be running around in a classroom setting or homeschooling setting. Girls tend to be um, more uh, low-key. The practice of running around gives more flexibility, et cetera. And so I think it's unfair that a guy can become a female and then compete against female and defeat them, unless, of course, that person shows clear scientific evidence that from a young age they not only took the hormones, uh, treatments, but stayed on them and didn't go off them, become a male again, do push-ups, get stronger, and then go back on the hormones for the testing. But that's why us liberals are more open-minded and intelligent, because we're willing to disagree on points, do additional research, and not be dogmatic like our right-wing Republican human friends. I appreciate your show, man. And keep my number so we can stay in touch. I found another brother from another mother. Awesome. I, I do appreciate you calling in, and let me... Uh... I can copy and paste that so I can have your number. Uh, so I know I should, I should keep a uh, keep a thing to know. Uh, oh, it didn't copy it right. But nah, 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 don't want to say it out loud. Don't want to give everybody your number. Uh, but I'll I'll be able to know the next time uh, who it is that you are, so I'll be able to recognize you when you do call in. I do hope you call in again lots of times. Again, you know, a lot of times you know people do say you know. There are a lot of things like you had brought up, I think, earlier in the show, um, the Israeli-Palestinian issues. And, and one of the things that's one of the things that I'm planning on doing at some point in the future, 
hopefully in the near future is make a video series on YouTube about those issues. Because one of the things that I found is a lot of people try and oversimplify the problems that are going on over there. There's, 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 they try and oversimplify it, and, and, and it's, a, it's a much more complex issue than a lot of people want to give it credit for. And so um, and I think that has to do with, with trans athletes um, and their ability to compete. Um, you know, you were the first person that I've heard who've made the argument that um, the way that young boys, young girls play uh, might, it might uh, as we have the society uh, that we currently live in, because you have to deal with society, society as it currently is, not the one that you wish that we had. Um, you're the first one to bring up that particular argument in, this, in these discussions that I've had on this particular issue. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I still kind of go back to the whole you know, is it unfair uh, that, you know, you know, what if there was a girl that, that did play a lot and did run around, you know, those people that were typically labeled, you know, quote, tomboys or what have you, people, girls that did like to do a lot of sports, you know, would they then have an unfair advantage over their other uh, young women that are playing around, you know, and should we stop them from, from playing, you know, in sports because they played, quote, like boys there's there's also other situations and one of the one of the amazing things that that i'm I'm always confused that this gets brought up in these conversations is they'll talk about how there's a there's this athlete a trans athlete who just destroys every single woman young woman that she competes against in texas uh when wrestling and what they usually fail to recognize is that the person that they're talking about is a trans man. It is a somebody who, according to his birth certificate, is it lists female on his birth certificate, but it's a trans male. But under Texas rules, he, he is not allowed to compete in the division that he wants to compete in. He wants to compete against other men, other young men in, in that division, but they won't let him. They, because the, the, the law in Texas specifically states that as a person who, who was born with the word female on the birth certificate, he is required to wrestle against the other women. And because of the, of the practice that was done and all of, the, all of the things that come into play when one wants to be a wrestler, you know, you would look at him and I don't think you, you would clock the person as being a trans male. You probably just look at this as a young, as a young boy, I think, if I remember seeing the person incorrectly. But he wants to compete with the other men, and they're forcing him to compete against the women, uh, and which is probably then unfair to the women because this person, you know, by all appearances, looks like a looks like a like like a man. So it's just unfortunate that you have that situation. There was another athlete, I think, where where people insisted that they do. I uh, was one of the Olympians where people were insisting that the, that she get. Um, you know, blood work done to prove that she was really, um, that genetically she was truly a woman and had and required hormone levels. So much stuff. But, but at the end of the day, on the issue of trans, of this particular issue, when it comes to especially young children or high school age children competing with, with sports, you know, is, is it, is there a level of fairness involved? You know, does, does fairness come into play when it comes to, do you do you take into consideration there the 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 fact that according to the studies that I've read that again they're they're more the, the less you 
accept them for who they are, the more likely they are to, to commit suicide. So if you can reduce the suicide rate, that is a bigger beneficial to society, bigger benefit to society than restricting them and stopping little Sally from, from getting her scholarship to whatever, to the school that she was trying to get a scholarship to. If that was the person, that was the reason she did not get her scholarship, but it wasn't just because she was not athletically gifted enough to be able to get that scholarship in the first place. Um, there's a whole other conversation to be had about should, why should young children trying to get into college have to worry about competing for all of these scholarships altogether? Maybe if, 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 people were allowed to be able to get educated, you know, without cost, then they wouldn't have to worry about relying on athletics to make themselves more upwardly mobile. And, you know, maybe that's the conversation that we really should have, we should be having that, you know, we shouldn't be tying the ability of somebody to be upwardly mobile in an educational sense uh, to whether or not they can throw a ball well or, or jump over a hurdle quickly enough that maybe we should be able to, um, have that be, you know, yeah, do you, you get to participate in college, sure, but that shouldn't prohibit you from being able to get a good education just because you can't do that because that's leaving out a whole bunch of other people who maybe their parents didn't raise them in such a way to be to be as athletically gifted. Maybe maybe there are other kids who just genetically don't have it within them to be uh, athletes. You know, it's is it unfair to them that they don't get to get the opportunities to have a scholarship? I mean, there's, you know, it's 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 often it, it, a lot of times the people I see making the arguments trying to defend the keep restricting restricting trans folks for out of like high school sports um a lot of times from what I see now I'm not saying this is the most of the people that do it but a lot of times from what I see so this is very anecdotal is that they are coming from a place of privilege that that they're they're seeing that they're losing whatever, you know, they spent so much time and so much effort getting their, you know, getting, getting their young girl, the, all of the training that they would need and, and spending, you know, months, you know, years, nights and weekends, you know, getting, you know, trainers for their, for their little kids so that they could be, you know, excelling in sports. Um, meanwhile, most parents don't have the ability to do that. Maybe single parent homes don't have the, the wherewithal to be able to have spend the time or the money uh, to be able to give these people, um, you know, to give their kids uh, those special things. And so, you know, is it fair to allow the people that can afford the special, you know, the extra training and the extra time on the weekends and holidays to compete against the other? Again, what's fair, what's not? Um, so we could we could make, create all sorts of uh, scenarios where uh, there are people in the system that are going to be disadvantaged on many different areas, not just on um, whether or not their what their muscle tones and structures are and what their hormone levels are, but because of you know the, their uh, their place in that they currently exist in society and 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 their the class and and the the the, the, uh, the their lower class and their they're living in poverty they you know. Some of the people that are living in poverty do view athletics as a way to get out of the situation that they're in, but other people, you know, that are living in poverty don't have even the time to help their kids reach that point. Um, so it, it, it's hard for me to, to, to try and zero in on that one particular thing that some people try and say is unfair without, while ignoring all the other things that are unfair, 
And then also ignoring the fact that the kids who are not accepted for who they are are more likely to be um, are more likely to be uh, committing suicide. Bringing a boy in the chat, our conservative friend says, "How do you feel about restroom sharing with women? Public restroom? Again, you know, people go into the bathroom to pee. You know, I'm not threatened if a if somebody comes in who is a trans male and if they want to use the men's room, I'm not going to be upset about it. You know, most trans people, especially trans women are not going to want to draw attention to themselves when they're using the bathroom of the gender that they are instead of the gender that was on their birth certificate. Uh, Most trans folk want to get in there, do whatever it is business that they have to do, whether or not it's a one number one or number two. And if you're a, trans male going into a women's room. I mean, I don't spend any time in women's restrooms, so I don't know. I'm assuming that there are no urinals in women's restrooms because there's no need for them. So it's all stalls. So you walk into a stall, you go sit down, you do your business, you get up, you wash your hands, you leave. I mean, that's not, you know, that's, that's not harmful to anybody. And if there is a, somebody who is a pedophile, which I'm sure where this is going, um, if someone who is a pedophile, uh, it doesn't matter what gender they are, if they're going to want to find a way to go into a bathroom uh, to try and do it, regardless of whether or not it's allowed or not, because they're pedophiles and they're trying to do things that are allowed or not. So, and there are there are there are trans men who uh, you you look at there's, there's these pictures of these trans men, and and I love the pictures that are given uh, that that they post on the internet, and it's like there's this guy with a beard and he's got big muscles and a, and a cowboy hat. And that's one of the guys that I've seen. There's another trans guy that I've seen where he's bald with a goatee or maybe it's a full beard, but he's bald again, tatted up, ripped, shredded muscles. And according to people uh, who, who are opposed people using the bathroom that they identify with instead of using the bathroom uh, that, you know, that on their birth certificate, they would have these burly muscular men going into women's rooms because it would be illegal for them to go into the, into the men's room. Furthermore, I've seen plenty of, there are plenty of women. I'm I'm sure I've been, you know, in restrooms with trans men. It it doesn't bother me. Pedo, just turn your head. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about bringing a boy. When you say pedo, just turn your head. Doesn't make any sense. So you, you'll have to explain that one. Um, I was going to say, but when it comes back to the initial point of, you know, liberals being more inclined to want to listen to other people, I mean, I think that's, that's part of what makes many people liberal. I think a lot, a lot of what makes people liberal is, is that is the willingness to learn, the willingness to, you know, I did a show um, last year sometime, I forget which date the show was, but it was in disagreement of President Obama. And when he, at the time, he was Senator Obama. Uh, in 2004, he gave the speech where he says, there's no blue America, no red America, there's the United States of America, there's no this, there's not two Americas, there's one America. Uh, President Biden, during on the campaign trail, m- echoed similar things. You know, the, he I liked how he worded part of it, which was, he says, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be just a president for those people that voted for me. I want to be a president for all Americans. 
but he, you know, he also, I think, also repeated some of the words that President Obama stated uh, way back when, when he was a senator speaking at the Democratic National Convention, and that was that, um, you know, that how he doesn't believe that there are two Americas, and I think that's wrong. I think that there are clearly two Americas. There are more than two Americas. You have um, the Americans who there are Americans who are willing to believe that they're that they have it wrong. They have an issue wrong. If you give me facts logic and reason and show me where I'm incorrect and something and a belief that I, that I hold and something that I believe to be true. And you show me that I'm wrong. I'm going to change my mind on that. Why? Because I've been given a good argument. People who are conservative are less likely to do that. Are there some conservatives that will change their mind? Sure. But I think those, those conservatives are more likely to be moderate conservatives and deemed rhinos. You know, I, I described it the other day as, uh, the conservatives that continue to support Trump, for, despite all of it was shown that he did, especially towards the end of the pregnancy, pregnancy presidency during the pandemic and uh, the inciting of the riots on uh, January 6th. Um, these are the people that would, in blackjack, would double down on a 12 repeatedly. <clears throat> I think it's possible that when you're learning blackjack, you might try and double down on a 12 once, regardless that it's unwise to do. Um but these people would probably just continue to do it. And you tell, well, I want to double down on a 12, but work right for me once. Well, it's not the smartest mathematical thing to do. Well, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to bet. I'm not going to learn. That's, that's the same type of, that's the same type of mentality that they have in a lot of other things. So, and, and this is not to say that again, all conservatives are like this, but many are, uh, many are unwilling to admit a mistake. They view um, they view admitting to making a mistake as somehow being a sin. Like you, you, it's a sign of weakness. If you can, if you say I was wrong, and especially if you say I apologize, that's why they mocked the so-called Obama apology tour back when Obama was president and he was trying to make up for some of America's past wrongdoing. <clears throat> Let's see. I gave you facts with President Trump election. It's right there, it's, but it's not right there because you're wrong. And I've, I've given you, uh, you know, if you if you search up, if I, if you search that what you told me, bringing a boy, if you search that on the internet, you will find many more articles that explain why that reasoning is faulty, why that's bad logic, why the, it is incorrect. That number of voters is incorrect, and it explains why it's incorrect. So. You can't. Uh, there, there's a TikTok again. I'm, I'm I'm relatively new to TikTok. I'm trying to get myself up to 10,000 followers over there, um, but I'm relatively new to TikTok. And there was a woman, a young woman, who made a video who was trying to um, ask about the hypocrisy of liberalism, uh, which she viewed as um, she viewed the hypocrisy of liberalism as well. You know, you're intolerant. Uh, you, you claim to want tolerance, but you won't be toler- you won't tolerate the opinions of conservatives. I'm like, that's not true, though. It, it's it's and the argument that's being made is like, you know, we sit there and we we look at the protests and the, the riots and the acts of sedition that took place on January 6th of this year, and we see that we have people like you know wearing shirts that said six million wasn't enough. People wearing shirts that said. Um, work brings freedom. The 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 in German, the word, or maybe it said it in English. But work me brings freedom was what was said over, and I think the shirt said Camp Auschwitz. Um, 
literal Nazis. And these people are marching along with literal Nazis. And, you know, what do they call 10 people eating dinner with a Nazi? 11 Nazis? You know, so if, if you're going to march alongside with somebody who is wearing a shirt that says six million wasn't enough, if you're going to protest alongside with somebody who wore a shirt that says work brings freedom, um, basically glorifying the Auschwitz concentration camp, then I'm not going to see any moral difference between you and a Nazi. So, no, it's not me being divisive, as I said in my response to her. I'm not the one being divisive by calling that out. It's the Nazis being divisive by wearing those shirts. Or, and it's the other people, the people marching alongside the Nazis who are being divisive by not calling out their own people, by not saying, look, you're not welcome here. You know, you, you don't want to be labeled a Nazi because you're marching next to Nazis. Kick, Nazis kick the Nazis out of the, of the protest. Tell them they're not welcome to be there. Tell them that what you support is not what they support and to get to step in. But they won't because they understand that part of that voting block includes white supremacists, includes people who identify as neo-Nazis or just flat out Nazis altogether. Um, I don't know what to say about the last one. Oh, getting tired. Anyway, um, but let's go ahead. Again, this has been just one week of the Biden presidency, and I believe that we're in a situation that is much better than what we were in because we have adults in charge. Um, you know, again, the, the simple swatching of the press conferences with the press secretary, it's just so much nicer now because you don't have that adversarial, angry person at the dais talking, you know, down to and arguing with uh, in, in such an angry way. And it wasn't just Kaylee McKennedy that did it. It was, it was Sean Spicer. It was um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. But all of them had this adversarial stance. And it was nice to see a, a whatchamacallit, a, a, a Harvard graduate and lawyer with years of experience, eight years of experience in the Department of State be elevated to uh, Secretary of State instead of the CEO of Exxon. Like when 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 Trump named Tillerson. Now Tillerson obviously flipped on Trump, and and that's why Trump got rid of Tillerson at some point. But you know the fact that Trump tried to name a CEO of Exxon to be Secretary of State, it didn't make any sense whatsoever. It made no goddamn sense. But sorry, hold on. And then play. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Anyway, so let's see. Sure, we won now that we that can't talk if he does fall asleep. What? Using the Nazis as an example of a cop out. Okay, no, I will end the show after I deal with this point because it's not using the Nazis is not the example of a cop out because it goes. Let's go all the way back to 2016. Donald Trump literally retweeted an image that was that came from a white supremacist website. It was an anti-Semitic image. It had a star of David over money. And don't say it was a sheriff star because sheriff stars have little circles at the end of it and at the tips in these notes. Furthermore, there's no point that's made by putting a sheriff star over money. There is a point that's made by putting a Jewish star over money, a star of David over money. 
That is the point that they were trying to make. And Donald Trump retweeted that. And for him to be pandering, he called the people that marched along. He called the people that marched in Charlottesville very good people, very good people on both sides. No, he told he told the uh, the Proud Boys stand back and stand by, stand back and stand by, not stand down, stand back and stand by. And he <coughs> incited them, and then the people that came out, two that were incited included Nazis. Some of them overtly so. I'm not going to imagine that the people, that teach, the people that were not wearing T-shirts were not included in the group of people he would label as Nazis. To say that it's a cop-out, no. You're making a conscious decision to march alongside a Nazi. I see no difference between you and that Nazi. <clears throat> you're saying that either you're a Nazi or that person's being a Nazi isn't vile enough to you to say, you know what, either you leave or I'm going home. That's what you're telling me. And I'm somebody raised, again, I was raised Jewish. And it doesn't matter how practicing I am right now. It doesn't matter what my faith is. It doesn't matter if I believe in God or not. The fact that I was born to Jewish parents means, according to these idiots, that's my race now. I am a Jew. I'll be tarnished forever with my Jewish blood. And I am somebody who should be exterminated. Because as one of the shirts said, according to him, six million wasn't enough. So guess what? No. If you're marching next to somebody, if you're protesting next to somebody with a shirt that says six million that wasn't enough, you're not like pummeling that person and getting them out of that area, then you're telling me you're, you're, tacit, you're showing a tacit approval of that person's opinions, that person's stances, and I, I can't respect anybody who marched alongside him as having any sort of valid argument to be made because you're marching alongside Nazis. They're Nazis. No, who didn't? Trump? Yeah, no, Trump incited a riot, clearly. He did. Stand back and stand by. Stand by. And they stood by. And they waited for him to say that what he, he, he was looking forward to what the events of January 6th. He said the events of January 6th, quote, would be, or will be, quote, wild, end quote. He, described, he anticipated it was going to be wild. What's interesting is when people, I, I want to see more about this meeting that took place on January 5th at Trump's property in D.C., I think the one that was the old post office or whatever, um, Trump's, there, was a, there was a meeting that included Tuberville, that included some other people. And guess what? You know, it, it may, could very well, depending on what was discussed in that meeting, could very well be the nail in the coffin when it comes to whether or not the, you know, people are going to be criminally prosecuted uh, from in the Trump administration for the acts of sedition that took place in the in the Capitol, but Donald Trump clearly said, I will march with you. We need to march on the Capitol, and you have to show strength. And then Rudy Giuliani gets up there and says, trial by combat. And then all the other people get up and say other things that incite these people. And then Trump also said, I'm going to march with you, and we're going to go down on the Capitol, and we need to show strength. And uh, Mike Pence better be on our side. And he wasn't on their side, because he was on the side of the American people because he did his job. And Donald Trump was very upset about this. And the people who he just incited and sent marching down to the Capitol was upset about it. Of course, Donald Trump lied because he never went down to the Capitol uh, with these people. He went and hid in his little hidey hole at the White House uh, where he could be safe and he could watch the goings on. And despite the fact 
that there were congressmen, there were legislators who were in the Congress trying to reach out to Melania, trying to reach out to Ivanka, trying to reach out to Ivanka's husband, trying to Kushner, trying to reach out to all the Donald Trump, trying to reach out to everybody possible in Trump's family who were outside of the Senate, outside of the Congress. Trump did nothing. He aided and abetted the incite, the, the acts of sedition in this country simply by not acting fast enough. And then when he did act and gave a video, not even a live video, but a produced video about the whole thing, he told them that he loved them. He told them that he loved them. Oh, stop. What are you, what are you saying? That is time to walk out from the camps. What happened back then happened, and the Jewish people have flourished since. Oh, you need to reconsider your, your life, Frankie Capoy. You need to reconsider you saying that right now. Because this is the Today is the. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you. That's just crazy that you would believe. This is the national, International Holocaust Remembrance Day, where we're supposed to remember what happened in the concentration camps. The, the term is never forget. And I will never forget. And you should never forget what happened. And people who are Marching with as Nazis, you know, we shouldn't ignore that. We should not walk it out of the camp. Wow. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, there was somebody who made, you know, there was some drunk woman that called into the show and made some, some very anti-Semitic and I just hung up on her. Um, I, I just, uh, Wow, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to use this. Um, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be talking about this on, uh, later on. I'll maybe, I don't know, in the mini cast, maybe next week. Maybe I'll make a TikTok about it. I'll hide your name. Don't worry. You, your, your username or picture won't be used uh, when I discuss this, uh, bringing it boy. But uh, the idea that you believe that you should ever say that we should walk out from the camps and that we sh- and that it just happened back then and that Jewish people have flourished since then. The fact that you think that you should be saying that on any day, let alone on the International uh, Day of uh, Remembering the Holocaust, yeah, you need to consider your life and reconsider the decisions you've made or the, the choices that you make in life or what has led you to say those words to a Jew. Uh, it's... <laughs> Wow, what a way to end the program. And I, I'm not giving you the last word because clearly that, that is, that is, I mean, frankly, that's anti-Semitic. And um, I, I expected more from you than this, than those words. I expected more from you. Uh, but as our other caller who's, has said in the past and said, said, said in the show, um, it, it's, I mean, it's the difference between liberals and conservatives. And as I kind of said, you know, it, it's, People just don't want to change. And, and, and often, you know, when, when conservatives are challenged on their beliefs, 
instead of self-reflection and trying to uh, trying to learn from where they have been, they dig in. They dig in and they say worse things. And they then say worse things on top of that because they don't like to be challenged. They don't like having their world of, their world views challenged. They don't like being told that their opinions are wrong. They expect us to be tolerant of the intolerance. And that's, you know, if you look up the paradox of tolerance or the paradox of intolerance, one of the two on Google, you'll find the image. Let's, let's look it up real quick. We'll end on, we'll end on that. Uh, paradox of intolerance. Images. Here we go. Paradox of Tolerance by philosopher Karl Popper. Uh, it's an image. Uh, should a tolerant society tolerate intolerance? Uh, you want uh, more. Res- you want more tolerance. Respect my ideas. And it's a guy uh, marching with a swastika. And ooh, I think I used the wrong image. Ooh, I don't have to update my TikTok on that one because I used the wrong image on that one. I'm sorry. Uh, the paradox of tolerance: Should a tolerant society into- tolerate intolerance? You want more into- you want more tolerance? Respect my ideas. The answer is no. It's a paradox, but unlimited tolerance can lead to the extinction of tolerance. When we extend tolerance to those who are openly intolerant, uh, the tolerant ones end up being destroyed, and tolerance with them. Any movement that preaches intolerance and persecution must be outside of the law. As paradoxical as it may seem, uh, it requires the tolerant to, to requires to not tolerate the intolerant. So that is where I will leave you with this show. I'm going to go run the TikTok right now and correct my mistake uh, because holy crap. Uh, I didn't realize what I had used. Now that I'm looking at the, at the images that are used, I, I used a bad image. So we're going to, we're going to, again, but I'm willing to admit that I made a mistake and I'm going to fix it right now because I made a mistake. Again, the difference between conservatives and liberals. And this is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Uh, make sure to join us each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central, unless we reschedule it to another day. You can follow me at Liberal Dan on radio on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan uh, to see when those changes might take place. Again, if you want to support the show, two best things you can do, subscribe to Liberal Dan Radio on YouTube at youtube.liberaldan.com or subscribe to Patreon. Patreon.liberaldan.com will bring you that. Little three bucks to support the show. Shout out to um, my Patreon right now at Deminoff. Um, Everybody, and uh, also to my little brother, the host of the Joseph's Mercy Podcast. So next Wednesday, this is Dan Zimmerman with Little Band Radio. Talk from the left. That's right.